Hey, look at somebody and say, it's good to see you. Don't lie to them like you did last week. Mean it this time, all right? Hey, we're so glad that you're here. My name's Sam. I have the great privilege of being the lead pastor here at Crossroads Church. And what that means is every single week, I try to tell the greatest story ever told. Now, not because I'm some great communicator or it's even my story, but I believe this story is a story about Jesus and Jesus is the greatest person to ever walk the face of the planet. I actually believe he's more than just a person. I believe he's God in the flesh. So if you've ever asked the question, what is God like? You don't have to look any further than the person of Jesus. And we believe the Bible is this story about Jesus. We say this around here. We say it's all about... Jesus. We wrote it on the wall if you need some help. And what that means is you're going to need a Bible to follow along. And so if you forgot your Bible, we got you covered. You just slip up your hand and one of our ushers will get a Bible to you. And then if you don't have a Bible, that's our gift to you. We pray that you read it every single day because every time you do, you get to meet with Jesus. Amen? Three of you think that, or at least this side of the room thinks that, right? Every time you read the Bible, you get to meet with Jesus. Amen? That's good news. Hey, we've been in a series in the Gospel of John uh, for many weeks now. I had someone ask me last night how long it's been, and uh, I did not know it's been a long time. And, and uh, uh, so today I'm going to try to help us kind of catch up, uh, maybe tie some things together and some important parts of John. So turn to John chapter 14, starting in verse 15. And if you're um, signed up for a small group, make sure you grab some questions on your way out. Try to make a habit on the way in just to grab the questions. You can kind of write on them and take some notes uh, with the questions as you go. And, and so that'll help you this week. We have uh, sermon-based, relationally driven small groups. And so what that means is uh, you don't have to be an armchair theologian or a Bible baby to, to participate in the group. You just have to experience the sermon and then you have something to contribute. And so I'm going to do my best to teach us the scriptures today. And through all of my error and folly, the Holy Spirit will speak to your hearts and help encourage you. And hopefully uh, today challenge and exhort you all moving you forward towards the person of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Hey, verse 15 of the gospel of John says this, if you love me, you will keep my Commandments. Now, I just want to point out that over the next few weeks, he'll continue to say that line. If you love me, keep my commandments. And then he's going to give you what that command is and the totality of that command. Uh, and so I don't want you to keep that in your mind. We're not going to deal with that portion of it today. Uh, but know that that is a repetitive thing that he says. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper. Notice that helper is capitalized. To be with you forever. Do you know what forever means in the Greek? Forever. And preacher's been using that joke for a really long time. Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive. You don't want to pay attention to this. Put an asterisk beside it, underline it. The world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. One of the most important passages that we can uh, think about, ponder, contemplate, and pursue. You know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you yet a little while and the world will see me no more. But you will see me because I live, you also will live. He's speaking of the resurrection. He's talking about going. You won't see me anymore. He's gonna be buried, but you will see me because I live and because I live, you also will live. In that day, you will know that I am in the Father and you uh, you will know that I am in the, my father and you and me and I and you, whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he, it is he who loves me and he who loves me will be loved by my father and <clears throat> I will love him and manifest myself to him. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered him, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him and he will come to him and make our home with him. Whatever, whoever does not love me does not keep my words and the word that you hear is not mine, but the father who sent me. These things I've spoken to you while I'm still with you, but the helper 
the Holy Spirit. Now he defines who this helper is. The helper, the Holy Spirit, all capitalized, whom the Father will send in my name. He will teach you all things and bring to remembrance all that I've said to you. Will you pray with me? Gracious Heavenly Father, we love you and we thank you for who you are and who you are to us. I ask that you would encourage us, you would challenge us, exhort us, all pushing us forward to the person of Jesus and let everything we say and everything we do bring glory to you and good to this valley. And everyone said, amen. So whether or not you've been a part of this book as we've been preaching through the book, and and sometimes you need parts of the scriptures around it. So when you look at a particular text, you're looking at other parts around it, kind of know what the text is saying. And then sometimes uh, one particular text can actually unveil a lot for us in one, uh, in in kind of one uh, sitting or one reading. We can kind of get the scheme of things. And and so I want to kind of catch you up and I want to encourage you when you leave today, and many of you have done this and I see you do it, you kind of walk past the banner that we have in the back was the Bible project and you'll see the book of John kind of laid out in the sections and how it's written. And, And here's what you need to know about John. John was young and impressionable, excuse me, whenever he was following Jesus. But now he's an older man and he writes these words uh, for us to follow. And how, how many of you uh, feel a lot younger than you actually are? Right? Right? And, and how do you know that some of the memories, the most formative memories that you have were when you were young and impressionable or something uh, big happened? And for John, that's exactly what happens. And he writes these things down with specific purpose. He actually reveals to us the purpose in John 20. He says, I write these things that you may believe Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. He writes with a specific purpose, and at times he even writes in a nature that is very specific, but also very repetitive. And he, and he, and he writes some of the things that Jesus says over and over, sometimes with an addition to it, or sometimes just stand alone. John is the book where he'll continually write, I am, and then he'll finish the statement, I am the bread of life. Uh, uh, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He continues to say the things that are repetitive to him. And, and oftentimes uh, you realize uh, that uh, I, I do that as well. If you've been here for any length of time, you know that I open the service with, with the same line every week. And I see some of you have been around for a while. You try to finish the line for me. You try to get ahead of me. Sometimes you mess me up. But uh, anyways, you've heard that. Maybe it's your first time here. You didn't know that every single week I start the same way. And I got that from a, a pastor who was encouraging me, trying to give me some tips and tricks for public speaking. I, I mean, because I mean, it's a difficult thing. How many of you, like one of your biggest fears is public speaking? Right. So I'm going to ask for volunteers from that particular group in just a moment. We're going to trade it. Trade out, and, uh, and and so public speaking can be a, a difficult thing, and, and so I'm going to try to use every tool and trick that I can, and and even though at times it may be natural or a natural gift for me, and I've been a ham since I was a kid, and and, and so uh, my dad can attest to that, and, and and now my son is mimicking that particular behavior, but it still can be nerve wracking, even though I do the same thing every single week. Sometimes I feel like I'm trapped in a bad Christmas movie you know? And, uh, and so uh, it's just Sunday comes every week, whether I'm ready or not. And, and, and so I try to use every tip and trick that I can to, to help calm my nerves or maybe even settle your nerves. Like, cause one of the most painful things is to watch somebody bomb and, you know, he's like, oh, I want them to do well. You know, I don't, I don't want to watch a train wreck. You know, I don't want this to go bad for you. And so, uh, I, I want to settle your nerves. Are you confident I've done this before? And so uh, what he told me was, Hey, Sam, if you could develop an 
kind of a saying or uh, like an intro that you do kind of every single week. It'll settle your nerves and you'll feel like you're sitting down in your comfy chair. You notice I have a chair on stage with me every week. It's not as comfortable as the one you have at home that you always sit in. How many of you have a seat that is your seat? Come on, dad, just own that. That's your seat. And you're frustrated when anyone else is in your seat. You know, hey, son, go ahead and get up, right? Like when you have your own house, you can have your own seat, right? And, uh, and so we all have that. And it kind of, we have this, this kind of comfortable nature about us. And, and sometimes like, as a speaker, I want to do that for you. When you come in every single week, you hear the same line. And although it, it seems repetitive every week, you're not thinking about it every day. You didn't spend all week thinking about my last sermon, did you? right? And, and so uh, you're not thinking about those things. And so for you at times it can seem repetitive. Oh, but what it does, it creates familiarity and, and it goes, oh, I've been here before. I've heard this before. And all of a sudden it settles me down. It settles you down. And all of a sudden it relaxes us in a way that like a comfy chair and says, hey, we've been here before. We are all right, all right, all right. You know? And, and, and so it settles us down. And, and so I, I thought, man, if I'm going to do that, I'm going to try to develop something at the beginning that kind of sets the precedent and maybe seems repetitive, but let's, let's be honest. Like how many of you have children and how many of you tend to be repetitive with your Sure, you see where I, you see what I did there, didn't you? You feel like you gotta say the same thing, son. How many times do I have somebody say, "Oh no" to that, right? And, and so we have to remind ourselves. You find Jesus does the same thing. He reminds them over and over, bringing to remembrance, jarring our memory. And and and, and so what I want to do is develop this this opening that kind of sets the precedent and helps us with with things uh, like, hey, I want to tell this great story. And I think this great story is not about me or not about you or a church or a preacher. It's about the person of Jesus. And I think Jesus is the greatest person. You've heard this before. To ever walk the face of the planet. Actually, he's more than just a person. You know the line. He's God in the flesh. Now, that's not my idea or my ideology. What you find is, is that's actually supported by the passage that we just read. He tells his disciples, and he's alluding to, I'm going to go away. I'm going to be crucified, buried. You're going to think the story is over, but then you will see me rise again. And as I live, so will you live. And in that moment, you will know that the Father is in me, and I am in you. And so what he's saying is, is this, if you've ever asked the question, what is God like? You don't have to look any further than the person of Jesus. Seems a bit repetitive, but seems quite important, don't you think? It seems as though when we look at this, we get the impression that this is all about, you see, uh, three of you, thanks dad, in the back. Uh, what about you people, right? Like, come on. Uh, it's all about, Jesus. And, and that's good news. So what I want to tell you is like, that's not my ideology or my philosophy. That's actually biblical theology. And, and let's be honest that sometimes what we believe, we don't quite know why we believe what we believe. We've heard it repetitive. We've heard somebody say it. Like I tricked you last week about, hey, how many of you know the Bible verse that God works in mysterious ways? How many of you have heard that Bible verse before? Right? What about cleanliness is next to godliness? Right? You spoil, you spare the rod, you spoil the child. Actually says you hate your son, but anyways. Uh, and, and so uh, how many of you know that sometimes what we believe is not necessarily from what we read, but what we were taught or heard repetitively? And oftentimes what we, where we get our theology from is, is sometimes put to melody. Most of the church, let's be honest, some of the, the theology that we have comes from the songs that we sing. 
It gets stuck in your head. And what you believe about God comes from what you remember. That's why in elementary school, they're always putting, putting uh, the things they need to learn to melody and to song because it becomes rememberable. And yet in the church, we do the same thing. That's why we have to be careful with the types of songs that we sing or the words that are in those songs. Because sometimes we can tune it out and you don't know the lyrics half the time to most of the songs that you, right? And then sometimes you're just jamming out to the radio and you're like, wait a second, what did I just sing? And what did I hear my 16-year-old sing? And uh, somebody say, oh no, to that. Because sometimes you kind of forget or you kind of tune out. And we do that in the church as well. And oftentimes what we're trying to do is teach good sound doctrine or things that we know to be true about the scripture that we can stand on that we can we can hold firm to but let's be honest uh, we have to begin to ask the question is what i believe actually true how many know that what you believe is important the three of you how many how do you know that that what you believe is important yes pastor sam right yeah it's important amen Amen. But do you know how much more important it is that what you actually believe is true? Even more so that what you believe is actually true. And this is what we try to avoid in, in our Bible studies is to just open to a particular passage of scripture, like maybe even this particular passage of scripture and ask the question, what does this mean to you? That is the worst question that you could ever possibly ask about the scriptures because it does not matter what it means to you. Amen. It, it, it is important that you know what it actually means. It's not subjective. It's, it's not something that you can manipulate and, and you can decide, well, I want to take this part and not that part because uh, let's be honest how many of you uh kind of uh gravitate towards your preferences <laughs> none of you liars every one of you right like like, you're like, actually, I do all the things I hate all the time, right? Like, no, how many of you gravitate towards what you like? Yeah, all the time. How many of you want to go into a restaurant where everybody knows your name, right? Like, you want to go towards places that you like with people that particularly like you. Right? Right? Like, this is, this is true. This is, this is what you do. How, how many of you like when people criticize you? I don't see as many hands this time, right? How, how, many, of you, how many of you like when someone says things to you that you don't like? How many of you like to hear, as Proverbs says, the faithful wounds of a friend? Right? No one likes that. Right? How many of you like when someone has a difficult conversation with you? Like, hey, man, I just got, just got to say this. Hey, what you said, how you said it. Hey, I noticed this the other day. How many of you just love those moments? None of you. Right? None, none of us. Like, actually, Joe, I don't like how you're talking to me right now. Okay? All right. Listen, Tyler, bro, remember who you work for. Okay? Right? Like, I, I don't like... I don't like how, how many of you like how many of you know when when someone's like hey I, I got some things I got some problems with you and you're like I'm glad you brought it up I got a file cabinet of things I'd like to talk to you about right like I, I've I, I've got some list of things here's the thing you gravitate towards your preferences you move towards things that you like to hear and from people you like to hear it and here's the problem with that is with the scriptures you'll gravitate towards gravitate towards the things you like. Oh, that's good preaching. Thank you, Pastor Sam. Right? You, you'll, you'll only move to the stuff that inspires you or encourage you, encourages you, never corrects you or challenges you or moves you in a different direction. What oftentimes we do, like with many other things in our lives, we have confirmation biases. We look to confirm what we already think. We do not like to be challenged. We do not like to be shaken. We do not like to try and, and, and move out of our comfy chairs and our routine 
routines. And yet what we need to do is ask the question, a very important question, is what do I believe and is what I believe actually true? Now, that can be quite a daunting task, wouldn't you think? Let's just be honest, right? Like there's some work to be done to figure out what's true. Even if you're like, the Bible's true. How many of you have ever read the Bible and you're like, I don't know what that means. (laughs) I'm the pastor, you're in good company, friend. Amen, right? Every time you open the Bible, you know exactly what it means right off the bat. No, you are a liar right? Like there are things in here that confuse me. There are things in here that, that rub me the wrong way. There are things that I don't know about. And and there are parts, if I just open it to a random spot, man, that can be confusing. How about you? So there's, so there's work to be done. Paul even tells a young pastor, he says, listen, Timothy, you're going to have to become a workman. Like this is hard work. Like this isn't casual. This isn't something that, let me just say, it's not something you can waltz in here on Sunday and and casually in a Bible. This is a pursuit of truth and it's gonna take work and you have to find the right people to help you in that work as we work together. But you have to work out, as the Bible says, your own salvation with, with a bit of fear, and trembling to know, man, this is a path that I need to walk. It's work. Someone say amen to that. It's, it's work. Slothfulness will not cut it. Laziness and bystander will not cut it. It will take work and it is imperative to your mortal souls that you work hard, work hard to do what? To be a workman who doesn't need to be ashamed is what Paul tells Timothy, that you can rightly divide truth. When does, sh- when does shame particularly happen? Uh, shame comes when I believe something to be true and it, and it turns out to be folly. You, you ever been caught up in that? You, you, ever, you ever forgot to f- fact check it for yourself? Somebody just say, amen. To that you just share it, liked it, yeah, yeah, and you're like, oh, that wasn't that wasn't even true, right? Like that was Babylon B. Anyway, uh, anyway, and like I, I didn't, I, that was satire. I didn't even know that that was like. Sometimes you 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 could propagate things, and, and, and here's what the scriptures say: is that you don't look for other people to be fact checkers for you. The pastor, the church, you have to yourself work hard and know that what you believe is actually true. Someone should say amen to that that you actually know that you know that you know and this is on you so you don't have to be ashamed that you don't move into foolishness and folly and blame it on someone else who just repetitively told you or sang you a song or something you heard on the radio or something you read in a hallmark or watching a hallmark movie or read in a new york times best seller because here's the reality is everything in your life is preaching a sermon to you not just pastor sam although it felt awkward twice to speak in the third person right and and yet there there i'm preaching to you and you have to decide through the foolishness of preaching through my error and my humanity and my fingers on the whole thing, you have to discern and work hard to divide the word of truth that you're hearing now. When you read the scriptures, you have to worry. When you, when you watch the news and you realize that actually everyone tends to be repetitive in the things that they say. Have you noticed that? That it, you could be on this news station and turn on that news station and it's the same words coming out of different people's mouths. And, and, and then you just switch to the other network on the other side of the aisle and it's the same thing on that side. Nobody knows anything about what I'm talking about, do you? Right? Like you all know what I'm talking about, right? Like, and yet it's repetitive. And yet sometimes it can sink in and you'll find things just coming out of your mouth because you heard them. Oh, this is pretty good preaching. You heard them, you absorbed them. You didn't ask questions about it. You didn't vet it. 
You, you, you didn't try it, you didn't test it, and you didn't particularly test it against the word of truth. And let's just be honest, man, this, is a, this seems as though it is a daunting task. I, I mean, to deal with the bottomless pit that is the interwebs and all of the information. Man, we, we could seem as though we are drowning in information and just b- trying to keep our heads above water in what is true. But what if I told you that there's someone who can help? What if, I, what if I told you that this daunting task of trying to figure out what is true in a world where everyone is relying on everyone else and everyone is lacking in what they know because you don't know everything. Right? That's going to go good for your marriage, for your family. You start there. You don't know everything. Amen? Amen. And neither does anyone else. Amen? And so yet we're a bunch of people who don't have all the information, don't know all the things, limited perspective, limited knowledge, trusting in other people in their limited perspective and their limited knowledge. And then we trust in those things. It seems as though we trust in them first and we find ourselves gravitating towards them. And what we'll do is we'll move away from this because it will challenge this. Are you with me? That's kind of the problem, right? Like, here's what he begins to say. I want to show you that he says, in this pursuit of truth, I will send a helper. Because you're limited in your perspective and you don't know everything and you're going to need some help, right? Because that's where anxiety and depression start, right? That's where these feelings of, uh, of anxiety start is I feel alone and no one can help me go forward because, because they don't know what I'm going through and they don't know where I'm going and they don't know what will happen. And it's the questions of the unknown that bring trouble of heart. That's why in this whole segment, see Jesus in this particular passage has is, is just had the last supper with his disciples. Judas has left to go betray him. And, and, and in just a few moments, he's going to say, let's get up from here and let's leave. And they're going to go to the Garden of Gethsemane where he's going to pray. And the disciples are going to pray and they're going to fall asleep because you know what it's like when you pray too, right? It's hard and, and my mind wanders and I don't know what to pray. And, and yet on this particular night, Jesus is, is saying things that John remembers and he wrote them for us. And he says them right before he goes to his trial and his execution and ultimately his resurrection. But they don't know that. All they know that Jesus is sounding different. Jesus sounds in his humanity, he sounds troubled. He seems frustrated. He, he knows that there is a fight coming. And yet, John and his young in, in his age and his youthfulness, man, this is impressionable to him. And now years later when he writes this, he remembers back. Why is it that he remembers back? I want you to look at verse 26. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said. Now, now here's, here's what you need to understand about this particular passage is this particular passage is not primarily written to you. I don't know if you realize that or not. Do you know that when you open the Bible, some of it's not to you, but it could be good for you, right? I know that's really hard in our narcissistic society to think that. And you're like, what do you mean it's not for me? It's not written to me. This is a love letter to me. And then you read Leviticus and you go, I don't know about this kind of love. Right? Right? Like, I don't, I don't know. Right? So, so the, the, here's the good news. Let me tell you how to look at this particular passage. He's literally talking to his disciples in the room and he says, the Holy Spirit, the helper will come. The Holy Spirit, capitalized, gives this 
pronoun that is a masculine pronoun. He says, he will teach you all things. Could you imagine Jesus kept saying, I'm going away? They're like, "Uh, that's not good for us, right? How many of you have thought, man, if I could just see Jesus in the flesh, Right, you ever been in that moment? You're like, Jesus, just speak to me. I just wish you were here. I wish I lived thousands of years ago. Think about what you're saying when you say that. Anyways, and, and you're like, I want, I want to meet you in the flesh. And Jesus will actually say this thing. He's like, it's actually going to be better for you that I go away for I'll send the comforter, the helper. That's what he says in Luke in this particular passage. He says, I'm, I'm going to send. I'm going away. Thomas goes, where do you, where are you going? Show us. Because I'm going away, constantly keeps up. But listen, I'm not going to leave you as orphans. I'm not going to leave you alone. Someone needs to hear that today. You're not alone. He's never leaving. You know what he says? The helper will be with you how long? Forever. This is good news. Forever. From then on, I know. And here's what he says to John and Matt. What he said uh, to, to, to Peter what he says to those in the room, he says, the Holy Spirit will teach you all things and he'll bring back to remembrance all that I've said to you. How many of you, not in a spooky kooky way, but in a very literal way, have ever heard the voice of Jesus? Maybe, but I can guarantee you it didn't sound like the voice that John heard. Amen. I bet Jesus had an accent, you know what I mean? Right. And he's literally saying, John has been with him for three and a half years. He's heard Jesus go on these monologues before, but he couldn't quite piece it together. It's like a conversation at the table that, you, you know, that was going on between somebody else. And he heard this stuff with Peter and he heard this over here and he didn't kind of piece it all together till the end. Or you ever had that moment where you're like, oh, that's what they were talking. That's what it was like for the disciples all of these monologues, all of these things. And then it says this, that the helper will come and bring back to remembrance all that I have said to you. And yet John writes this book. He writes what Jesus actually said. And, 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 and you go, man, how is that possible? He had some help. That good news? He had some help. And so here's what you can know, that the Holy Spirit of God inspired John to write this, remember this, in as as accurately as humanly possible under the unction of the Holy Spirit that you can be confident that when you read it, you can know what Jesus actually said and what he actually did because the Holy Spirit came and taught the disciples and cause them to remember all that Jesus has said. And now you can be confident that every time you read the Bible, you can meet with Jesus. I've heard this somewhere before. Someone, three of you still believe that? How many of you believe that when you read this book, you get to meet with Jesus? Amen? Why? Because the Holy Spirit came and brought to their remembrance. John was upwards of age. And yet he goes, man, I got to write this down. Because I had expectation that Jesus would come back before my lifetime is over. And yet I know that the story's not done. Peter will write, God is not slow as you perceive slowness, that he longs for everyone to come to repentance and the knowledge of Jesus. And so the timeline continues and he writes these words that now have been going viral for thousands of years. And so your trendy thing that you hashtag and you're like, man, this is what, this is really good. I read this and this is what we need to do this year. None of you right? This new thing, this new book. Hey, hey, honey, I got this new book. I've been reading this thing and we got to try this thing. It's going to help us as a couple and it's going to help us achieve our goals. It's going to, and yet whatever the next trend and the next thing and the next thing, and you see it and you gravitate towards it, you hold on to it. And the question is, did you meet with Jesus first? And did you test it? Is what you're believing? Are you sifting? Are you working through what you know and what you perceive and wonder? Like, I'm going to test what I believe and ask the question, is it actually true? Do I know? Here's the thing. He will help you. Even when you open this thing and you go, man, there's some things I don't understand. What does he say? 
He'll help you with your understanding. Now here's, here's good news. He helped them write it. And so that means he's adequate and able to help you understand what he helped them to write. That's good news. So you don't have to be, you don't have to wonder what he's saying to you. You can actually begin to pursue truth. But here's the contrast is he says very quickly that even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive. Here's what you have to understand. You have to understand that, that sometimes when you begin to trust God, follow God and, and follow his spirit, the world will not receive it, nor will they understand it. And see, here's what the church has done and, and some of the, the issues we've got into is we've endeavored in a pursuit to be culturally relevant and we've become biblically illiterate. We, we've endeavored to pursue cultural relevance, thinking that the populace and, and popularity, if we could just, we could just give the church a rebranding, and if we could just get people to like us in the community, friend, and let me just give you a hint, let me help you, that loving people doesn't, make, doesn't mean that you, you make them like you. Right, Loving them may be actually doing the exact opposite, that faithful are the wounds of a pastor, amen? Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Faithful are the people who say something difficult and say something true that will rub against and challenge the status quo because here's what you need to know about popularity. Here's what you need to know about the populist vote. Here's what you need to know about the mob is one day the mob said he's king and they waved him on palm branches. And just a few days later, by the end of the week, some, some manipulators, uh, leaders, and, and crooked politicians and religious leaders would begin to stir the crowd and they would convince the mob to crucify the man they waved up on palm branches. They will crucify them and they will actually beg for a trade, a trade between a convicted murderer, Barabbas. And you will see the greatest sermon illustration put on display where the innocent will be charged and executed in place of the guilty and the guilty will be allowed to go free. And we will see in real time what we know to be true. Martin Luther calls it the great exchange that he gives to us his goodness and we give to him our badness. It's the great exchange. And yet the mob is the reason, manipulated by power and authority and money, they say, no, give us Barabbas, crucify Jesus. See, one day it can be culturally relevant and popular to support and follow Jesus, and the next day you'll be considered a collaborator with the enemy. See, it's not about what's popular or culturally around. What it should tell you is, is not just being ornery and counterculture for the sake of sticking out and being identified. What you do is you solidify your heart in the word of God, standing on the firm foundation that is the chief cornerstone. His name is Jesus. And when you stand firm with him, no matter what is on going on around you, you'll realize that the, the currents of culture will change. The tides of culture will change and you'll find yourself built like Jesus says, man, a foolish man builds his house on sand near tsunamis, right? All those beachfront property owners, whatever. And, uh, and yet the wise man builds his house on the rock. And here's what you have to know is that at times will be unpopular. And yet what modern Christianity is telling you is actually in order to reach people, you'll have to endeavor to be popular. You have to say things that are popular. You have to say things that are culturally relevant. You'll have to know the culture, friend. You need to know the Bible as a workman so that you don't have to be ashamed that you get swept in the current of culture and you miss the per person of Jesus. And you have a helper. He says he'll be with you forever. And he'll woo you. And the world will look at you and go, man, the way you behave is crazy. 
Like you, I mean, I, I remember we, we bought a house years ago in Kentucky. And what that means is in California is we had down payment and, uh, and we didn't even, it was more like the down payment on credit, you know? And, uh, and we bought, we bought this house and I remember we're going through the brokers and, and, and if you've ever been in that experience, uh, you know, they go through like, it's very invasive and they go through your bank account, all your transactions, all the things, and just to see if you're able to, to afford the house and all this stuff. And, and I remember they called us up because at the time I just got a job as a youth pastor at, at a church. And, and, uh, it's amazing that I was able to buy a house as a youth pastor. And that tells you about the market in Kentucky, not about what youth pastors make tip your youth pastors. Anyways. Uh, and, and so, uh, I, I, I remember them asking, they're like, so like your employer is this church and like, yeah. And they're like, but we notice these, these checks that you write on a regular basis to your employer. They're like, that's, can you help us understand why someone would do that? <laughs> and think about all the scenarios you're writing your company a check. You've never done that. Right. And yet as a pastor, that's been the, like, I have to say, they're like, why? Like you give a certain pretty significant amount of your income back to your church. Like, ah, that seems a little crazy. And I was like, oh no, but can we still get the house? You know? And, uh, and sometimes like when, when you begin to follow the spirit of truth who helps you follow the person of Jesus, the world will look at you and go, you're a little crazy. Yep. Right? They're going to say, it's weird. Like, what, why do you hold to that view of marriage? It's just because that's how he designed it to work. Why is it that that's how you handle conflict? And man, I could never let that go. I could never forgive for that. Why would you do that? Because that's how he designed it to work. Man, well, why would you, why would you behave that way? Why, why would you give that way? Why would you be generous? Because that's how it seems to be the way. It seems to be truth. It seems like when I do that, when I follow that, it seems like there's life in that. And to the rest of the world, it seems ridiculous. To the rest of the world, it seems, man, it's not, it's old school. Yeah, real old, right? <laughs> old school, original, from design. We're going to end a little differently today as the band is coming back. See, here's, here's like the, the thing that this passage should give us hope. One is that we can be confident in the scriptures we read that it was actually what Jesus said and the Holy Spirit is the one inspired men to write it. And when we read it, we can actually hear the words of Jesus when we read the Bible. So if you've ever said, man, I wanna hear from Jesus, open the book. Work hard, this is on you, friend. Don't look elsewhere. First and foremost, go where there's life. Go where there's truth. And then you ever met those people and it's kind of interesting, right? Because like, this is the problem with this passage. And, and yet there's a lot of hope in this passage. Jesus says, I'll go away and you won't see me anymore. And he says, the world cannot receive because it neither sees him or knows him. You know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. Man, what a controversial statement for him to say to them. He's saying that the presence of God will live in fleshly temples like yours and mine. I mean, that is, that's, that's revolutionary. Like priests couldn't go into the Holy of Holies and, unless they took like 47 baths and, and said all the right things and did all that. Maybe that's how you thought God was with you, that you had to get clean before you could interact with it. Or you had to say all the right things and do all the right stuff. But here's what he promised. He says he will be with you how long? Forever. Where would be? He'll be with you and actually in you. He's saying you will be the temple of the Holy Spirit. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you yet a little while. While the world will see me no more, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. 
I mean, when someone says to you, I mean, think about like, sometimes we kind of take for granted what we say in the church and we go like, just follow Jesus. And we just say that, you know how crazy that is to even say, follow Jesus. And then your literal coworkers like, okay, take me to him. I'd like to meet him, right? I'd like for him to show me that walking on water trick, you know? Wonder how he turned that water to wine. Man, best of vineyard managers around here would be like, we wouldn't have to work in October anymore. Like, just bring us, show us that. Right, if you're so, like, follow Jesus. And how ethereal and distant and absent is that? Follow Jesus. And the question comes up is, how do you follow a ghost? How do I follow Jesus? He says, the world won't see me, but you'll see me. Because I live, the helper will help you see Jesus. What do you mean? He will be with you and in you. And he'll help in your mind's eye actually see and know and be able to follow the person of Jesus. Let me give you an example how that works very practically. Like think about you even coming in here and you sit and you listen to what the Bible calls the foolishness of, you know, this is kind of foolish, right? I'm here, I sing and dance, you listen, and you go out and you're like, my life changed, like whatever. (laughs) You always count on LP for that, right? Yeah. (laughs) It's foolishness, right? But then like, think about it, in all of like uh, my my quirks and and, and my humanity and my jokes and my rambling, and sometimes I talk real fast and sometimes I talk real slow. And and sometimes I say things from the scriptures like, I don't really get what he's saying. It's like, it's kind of, ah, I I wasn't raised in this. I don't really get it. And then there's moments, there's moments that you stop and it's like something inside of you leaps. There's sometimes there are things that you hear when someone preaches and begins to declare the goodness of who Jesus is. Someone begins to describe how good he is, how beautiful he is, how gracious and loving and slow to anger and how merciful and the beauty of the cross. And it's like something in you begins to leap and begin to paint a picture and you begin to see him. That's what happens. See, the Bible says that our spirit will bear witness with God's spirit that we're not orphans, that we're actually adopted. We're we're children of the King. And something inside us, when we hear that message that we're forgiven, we've been made alive and we're given a new life, something in us goes, yes, I believe that and I know it to be true. And then as you hear more and more and you study more and more and you get around other people and they tell you, you know, you know, those people who've like been following Jesus for like a really long time. Don't look at them. Don't look at them. Right. You've been following Jesus for a really long time. Those people have been following Jesus for a really long time. They'll tell you that they look completely different than they did when it all started. But sometimes they don't even know how they got there, right? They're just like, this same stuff just doesn't, doesn't get me anymore. It's like, it's like, I, I, it's as if I just arrived. It's as if the wind picked me up and carried me here. You ever been there? Like, man, you just, it's like watching your children grow and until you look back and open the door inside the closet and you saw the markers, you're like, man, it was right in front of my eyes. That's what it's like with the Holy Spirit. That's what it's like. Jesus tells, tells Nicodemus, he says, "It's, it's like the wind 
How many of you have ever seen the wind? Right? Jesus says, you don't know where it came from, where it's going. Some of you are like, I know exactly where it came from, Lompoc. <laughs> right? Like, I don't know, three o'clock every day, that's what happens, Lompoc. That's where it comes from. Right? But you know the evidence of the wind. He says, you don't know where you can't see it, but you know the wind is real. And it's almost as if you could see it because you see the evidence. You see what's happening. That's what it's like with the Spirit of God, the helper. He is with you and in you. And like the wind, he moves you in the way, the truth, and the life. He helps you to follow the person of Jesus. And it's in these moments that we have to question, is Christianity merely philosophical, ideological? Is it just a method? Or is it sometimes the often forgotten God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit? These three are God in one. Knowing that the Holy Spirit of God moves us, interacts with us. He is a person. He is not a force. He is not a thing. He is the person of God who dwells with you and in you and is far more concerned about your spiritual development than you are. And that's good news. So don't be afraid of the daunting task of the unknown or trying to figure out or understand. You have a helper who's with you. You are not alone. His name is Jesus. Will you stand all over this place? As a response, these moments can be powerful. This is why we worship the way we do, the way we sing. It's to put melody to memory and to begin to remind ourselves of the person of Jesus and the task he's called us to, to build our lives on nothing else. Not what is current, not what is popular, but on the solid rock of the foundation. If you love him, you'll keep his word hidden in your heart that you might not stray and sin against God. But he'll build you up. Here's what I want you to do. All over this place, we're gonna to begin to sing. The band's gonna sing with your mind's eyes. We you just close your eyes all around this room Will you begin to picture the person of Jesus? You ask him to speak. You have an opportunity to interact with the Holy Spirit of God, the person of Jesus. His spirit is here and with you. This isn't about your intelligence or your knowledge. This is about you understanding he's here to meet with you and comfort you. He loves you. He cares for you. He is for you. He is not against you.